Get out your instruments in which to eat the word of God so that we might grow closer to him in our knowing him. Now, we know that there's going to be trouble in this earth because Jesus told us that. But he said that we should still be of good cheer because he has overcome the world. Church, can you say faith? Faith. I want you to say it like you have it. Say faith. faith. We all have been given a measure of faith, and that faith works. The faith is not dead. The faith might be dusty. The faith might be dormant, but it works if we will apply our faith to God. Today, we're going to continue last week's message, which was entitled, Faith, Our Need to Know Him. What he wants us to know this morning is that God is forever faithful. Can you call him forever faithful? Call him forever faithful. You've got to be able to call God forever faithful no matter what you're going through. Our problem sometimes is that our troubles and our circumstances try to redefine our relationship with God and try to distort his character. But I'm here this morning to tell you that God is always good. Am I in the right place? God is always good. You may not be experiencing goodness in some things you're going through, but we serve a God who is always good. We might not like everything that he does, but he is still always good. So our God is forever faithful, and it is by faith we will find him to be all that we need. Let's go to Philippians chapter 4, beginning in verse 4, and we're, we're taught that we should rejoice always. Church, how often are we supposed to rejoice? Always. Always. So not just on your birthday, not just on an anniversary, not just when you get paid, not just when you get blessed, but the Bible says rejoice always because it is an immune system. Rejoicing is a joy, is is a spiritual immune system against depression. The joy of the Lord is our strength. So when you find yourself depressed, when you find yourself worried, you have to just begin to rejoice. And it's just like taking vitamins and nutrients into your natural body, which provides us with antibodies and minerals and the things that we need to fight colds. If you want to fight depression, if you want to fight fear, just enter into rejoicing because God is always good. And if God is always good, it means that he's worthy of praise at all times. So even when I'm experiencing sickness in my body or even when my bank account doesn't reflect the totality of his goodness, he is still good and he is still God. This God that we serve is the God and maker of heaven and earth and he is worthy of praise at all times. The Bible says, let everything that has breath praise the Lord. You see, we've been conditioned to just applaud good things on earth. When somebody does a good job, we we applaud them. Some of our babies don't even get congratulated until they graduate, and then we want to make a big deal about them. We should be making a big deal about our kids all the time because we love them. And we should be making a big deal about God all the time because he loves us. Some of us are not encountering and experiencing his blessings because we're not rejoicing. God does not show up at pity parties. He shows up at praise parties. If you want to get the attention of God in heaven, just begin to rejoice. Well, uh, things are not going well. No, rejoice in the Lord always again. 
So it wasn't good enough for the writer to just say it once. He said, again, I say, rejoice. I want you to get this because depression and life and circumstances, they will come and they will try to weigh you down because the devil wants you to bow to what he's doing. He wants you to cry out, uncle. But we're not going to cry out, uncle, because we have a father in heaven who is worthy of all of our praise. I'm not waiting for good things to happen to me to praise God. I'm going to praise God in spite of what I am going through because he is always worthy of praise. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Verse 5, let everyone see that you are considerate in all that you do. Remember the Lord is coming soon. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. We should wake up like that every morning. I'm not going to worry about any of my needs, God. I'm going to throw them down at your feet, and I'm going to be thankful for everything that you've done for me prior. Let me tell you something. The devil has tried to assassinate many of you before today, but he failed because you're still alive. Some of you have been in car accidents, but you're still alive. Some of you have been in hospitals and you needed major surgery, but you're still alive. That is why we praise God. Even if he never did another thing for us, he, our, our past is filled with his goodness. And what he wants you to know is to just keep rejoicing. I was good to you yesterday. Yesterday. I'm still God. I'm going to be good to you today. I'm still God. I'm going to be good to you tomorrow. And that's why the word of God says rejoice in the Lord always. Not just when he blesses you because he's just always the blesser. Amen. Let's continue. Verse 7. So if you do that, church, if you tell God what you need and thank him for what he's done and you refuse to worry about anything and instead pray, verse 7 says, then... Then you will experience God's peace. I will get to know him in the midst of my problems if I give my problems to him. The reason you don't have peace, because you can't have peace and the problem. You've got to give the problem to Jesus and say, Lord, I thank you that you, it's settled in you, that you take care of all of my needs, and I will get to know you even more through this circumstance. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. I told you it's a spiritual immune system when you can praise God. The worst thing you can ever do in the presence of God is nothing. No hands lifted up. No singing to him. No thanksgiving flowing from your heart. He's God. Some of us get more excited about entertainers and, and government officials and, and royalty than we do about Jesus Christ, who is the maker of all heaven and earth. We need to fix that. Verse 8, and now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true. So the enemy is the father of all lies. And if you believe his lies, he will pull you into the pit of despair and depression. So the Bible says, don't listen to that fool. Don't fix your thoughts on what's going on. Instead, fix your thoughts on was it, is it true? So whatever you're thinking about, you've got to determine, is this the truth? 
what does God say about this matter? Is it honorable? Is it right? Is it pure? Is it lovely? Is it admirable? Think about the things which are excellent and worthy of praise. Can you put your hand on your head for a moment? Say this with me. Holy Spirit, help me. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Help me reject every thought of my own destruction and self-reliance. In Jesus' name, amen. Philippians 4 and 4 says this, always be full of joy in the Lord. Again, I say always. So this tells me, church, this is good news. Woo! Even in the, the midst of a recession, the joy of the Lord is always ready to be received. It doesn't matter what people are going through. It doesn't matter if we have to line up for bread one day, that if we find ourselves in a soup line, that God is still good. And what we've got to stop doing is allowing our circumstances to change who we see God as. Because when your circumstance is stronger than your knowledge of God, you will walk around with your head low. You will be bent down and you will be as one who does not know God. And we can't do that because we serve God who is the overcomer. Let's go to John chapter 16, verse 33. John 16, 33. Say this with me. God is my overcomer. So listen, the reason you're here today was not just to dress up and sing songs or, or even uh, 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 see other people. The reason you're here today is because you are supposed to have brought your faith. And when you hear the word of God, your faith increases. So you didn't come because uh, boo was coming. You didn't come because, uh, well, some of you came because your parents made you come, all right? But I'm glad my parents made me come to church because it instilled within me a space. A space to know God. That even if I said I'm too tired or I don't want to go, that they drug me to church anyway, that I might hear the word of God and have my heart conditioned to be a place where he can reside. John 16, 33, listen to this church. I have told you all this so that you may have peace in me, peace in him. Where is peace? In him. I have told you all this so that you may have peace in me. Here on earth, this is Jesus talking, you will have many trials and sorrows. Do you hear that, Christians? I hope nobody told you that when you get saved that your problems stop. I hope nobody told you that when you give your life to Jesus, it's just easy peasy. It is war, but he is the God of our battle, and he wins every single battle every single time if we put our faith and trust in him. You're going to go through some things, but he says, listen to this, be of good cheer or be of good heart because I have overcome the world. So here's what we can't afford to do. Note takers, you can write this down. We can't allow our circumstances to, to, to distort God's character. So even if I am 
in grief, even if I am in pain, even if I am in need, I am in lack, my family life is, is, is messed up, my kids are running wild, I will not let what I'm going through redefine who God is. God is still good all the time. So I'm not going to let what I'm going through, the, the devil's desire is to lie to me. Oh, I thought your God was so good. Why are you so broke? I thought your God is a healer. Why are you sick? I thought your God uh, helped you to overcome everything. It seems like at your job that you're at the bottom and they're holding you down. The enemy defeats us with all these lies. That's why it's so important for you to open a book called the Bible every single day and get the truth of God into your spirit so you have a defense system. When I was in Israel, they have these things that, that protects the country that when missiles are fired, it's called the Iron Dome. So when missiles are fired into Israel, they have a defensive system that, go, that fires off missiles and, and hits the target before it gets into their country, all right? If man can do that, what about our God? So that is why the Bible must be ingested into us as a defense system so that when the lies of the enemy come floating at our lives and he's saying that I'm going to tear you down and your family's going to be lost and you're going to be broke the truth of God that lives on the inside of us is a defense system and which can fire at the lies of the enemy and say no Satan you are a liar I rebuke you in the name of Jesus get behind me I'm a police officer and I they give me bullets more than one okay but if they only gave me one bullet I'd be in trouble if you only know one Bible verse, you're in trouble. You better get the word. The Bible, David said, your word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against you. We know a million songs from the past. Some of you still know songs from the 60s and the 40s. And the, I'll, I'll stop. All right. But have you memorized the word? It is your defense system against the lies of the enemy. So as we pursue God, we must realize his attributes are unchanging. You better, you, better, you better catch this. Ask the Holy Spirit to help you catch this message because it's an end time message and we need to know who God is as the days become darker. Because the Bible says that pretty soon that a mark of the beast may given to be given to people and you won't be able to buy or to sell unless you have the mark of the beast on you. So you better have some faith in God to know that even though the times get a little weary, yet will I trust you, God. I receive to bow down to the world system and economy because, God, I know who you are. Say this with me. Lord, I know who you are. The beauty of knowing who God is is so that when you meet him face to face, he won't say to you, depart from me. I never knew you. Oh, but oh no, when we get to the king's throne, we're going to know him because we're going to worship him. And he honored who he was in every single battle that we went through. Hebrews 13 and 8 tells us this. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday today and forever. So just as God, as good as God was to my great, 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 great grandmother, he's still good to me and he'll be good to my great, great grace because God is 
great, great, great. We must begin to remember who the God is we serve. Society wants to water down our God. They want to give us different gods to worship. But we will call upon the name of the Lord Jesus Christ because he is the one who has redeemed us from the hand of the enemy. He is the great I am. Exodus chapter 3, verses 13 through 16 says this, But Moses protested, If I go to the people of Israel and tell them the God of your ancestors has sent me to you, they will ask me, what is his name? Church, can you say this with me? What is his name? I pray that in this message that you begin to know who God is because Stacy almost stole my message. I almost had to turn the electricity off this morning as she was opening up, stealing my whole sermon. We've got to know who God is. Who do you say he is? When you go through some trouble, when you go through some storms, you will begin to see who God really is. Not who the pastor said God is. Not who mama said God is, but you're going to know God for yourself when you go through a fire and he's the one that puts out his hand and say, come this way, I will save you. His name is I am. What is his name? Then what should I tell him? God replied to Moses, I am who I am. Say this to the people of Israel. I am has sent me to you. God also said to Moses, say this to the people of Israel, Yahweh. Church, say Yahweh. Yahweh, the God of your ancestors, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my eternal name, my name to remember for all generations. Now go and call together all the elders of Israel. Tell them Yahweh. Church, say Yahweh. Yahweh, the God of your ancestors, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob has appeared to me. He told me, I have been watching closely, and I see how the Egyptians are treating you. Here's what we have to know about faith this morning. It has been given to us that we may please him. And to please him is to recognize him as spirit and as truth, which leads to worship. So every time God shows up in our lives, we know that we can worship him there. Many times in the Bible, after God delivered uh, someone, they would build an altar there. One of the first things Noah did after the waters on the earth began to go down is he built an altar to God. Why? Do you know what Noah went through? The whole earth was destroyed, but grace lifted him up above the waters. And, and God caused all the animals to be on the boat with uh, Noah, and not one was lost. So he said, you know what? I'm going to make an altar right here, and I'm going to worship my God. Some of you need to make some altars in your living room because the God has brought you and your family through much. Some of you need to make some altars in your kitchen because God has supplied needs when you didn't have money money for food, that God still blessed you. I know, I know it's been a, a long time ago for some of you. I know you, didn't, you haven't had to scratch a meal together. I know you haven't had to make hamburger helper without hamburger. I, I know it's been a while for some of you, but let's not forget how good God has been all throughout our lives, and we still need to build an altar to him and say, God, you're still good to me. It's foolish to begin to believe that you're supplying all of your blessings. 
It's foolish to believe, as Elder Melissa said, that that entire paycheck belongs to you. It's foolish to believe those things. We have not supplied any of our needs. If he decides that today is the last day we live, there's nothing we can do about tomorrow. Remember, last week I told you that I met with Jesus in prayer and I said, Lord, what's on your heart? And he says this to me, my church has a million needs, but I want their greatest need to be to know me. So you have a God that doesn't hide. You have a God that wants to know you. And the Bible says that as we draw near to God, that he draws near to us as well. Listen, a savior doesn't hide. If the house across the street caught on fire and the fire trucks came, they would not hide. They would have sirens blaring. They would have lights flashing. They would have uh, things to announce their presence. They would bang on the door. They would take a ladder and go up to the window. They would say, is anybody in here? Why? Because the Savior does not hide. We may hide from the Savior, but the Savior is not hiding from us. May you come to know God. Father, I pray right now in Jesus' name against the spirit of Antichrist. I pray right now in the name of Jesus against the spirit of unbelief. I pray against doubt right now in Jesus' name. I pray against church hurt right now in Jesus' name. I pray against grief and sickness now in Jesus' name. Lord, everything that the enemy has put in front of us to keep us from knowing you, move it now in the name of Jesus. I speak to every mountain that stands before these people in God and say, move now and be plucked up and cast into the sea. Lord, show us yourself. Show us who you are in these moments. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. His name equals our needs. You see, God is not just Father. Jesus is not just Lord. The Holy Spirit is not just Holy Spirit. You see, in the Bible that you're going to begin reading like you've never began have before, you're going to see that God has many names. And each of those names equate to a need that people may have of him. So as I went through kidney failure about 10 or 11 years ago, and the beautiful thing about my kidney failure wasn't beautiful then. I cried many times uh, on this altar. I was surrounded many times by people who loved me. But the beautiful thing about what I went through is I came to know God better. C can anyone praise God and say, I know God better now because of what I went through? Oh, my goodness. If I didn't know him then, I sure know him now. Amen. So as I began to go through this journey of kidney failure, I was on death's doorstep. I remember my mom telling me that at the hospital, you see, they had to rush me to the hospital one time. I had a seizure. I bit my tongue. I was bleeding from the mouth. Uh, my head was shaped like a football. I was so full of fluid. And um, uh, it took seven nurses and doctors to hold me down on the bed. I was having seizures that strong. It took seven adults to hold me down. And my mom said down the hallway she could hear the screams coming from me and the moans coming from me. I don't even remember that moment, but God was there. I'm trying to tell you that even when you don't recognize the presence of God in your problems, that he is still there. 
You see, I didn't even know I had kidney disease. I just knew I just kept throwing up every day. So even though I didn't know what I was going through, I came to know God as Elroy. Can you say Elroy? You see, Elroy means that I am the God who sees, that he sees everything. He looks down from heaven, and there's not a thing that catches him off guard. He especially sees his children. You've taken your children to a park. You've taken your children somewhere, and out of all those kids on the playground, you know where your kids are at all times. So he is Elroy, the God who sees. I'm trying to tell you that no matter what you're going through in life, that you get to know God better because of his character. He is I am that I am. What does that mean? That he will be whatever he needs to be in any situation that we go through. And that's why we put our trust in God. You see, I needed desperate help, and I came to know him as El Shaddai. Church, can you say El Shaddai? El Shaddai means this, I am the all-sufficient God. So as I lay in that hospital after my dialysis, and I was a broken man, I was crying and saying, Lord, where are you? He finally showed up as El Shaddai. He says to me, my grace is sufficient for you. And that got me excited right there because every step of the way, God was there. He wants you to know that in spite of your needs, you need him more than anything. The things that we pray to God for, I promise you need him more than that thing. Amen? So listen, I needed guidance throughout this process. I've never uh, been that sick before. I've never been on death's doorstep. So I needed to know God uh, as someone who could guide me from this process of going from sickness to health. And I came to know him as Jehovah Ra. Can you say Jehovah Ra? Jehovah Ra means I am the Lord, your shepherd. Every time we need God, the capability is in him to be whoever he needs to be. I'm glad that he told Moses, I am that I am. I'm glad that he didn't just give him one name because God can be all that he needs to be in our situation because he is an all-sufficient God. I need it. The doctors told me you need to go, you're going to be on dialysis forever or you're going to need a new kidney. Amazon has a lot of things. But right now, and I'll say right now, they don't have kidneys for sale. Walmart has a lot of things. But right now, oh, hallelujah. Sometimes what you need is not available. Sometimes what you need, you can't even see it. And that's why God says that we must walk by faith and not by sight. So, 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 so I needed something from God. I needed a new kidney, so I came to know him as Jehovah Jireh. Church, can you say Jehovah Jireh? Jehovah Jireh means this, that I am the Lord who provides. I needed healing, church, and I came to know him as Jehovah Rapha. Can you say Jehovah Rapha? Jehovah Rapha means I am the Lord that heals. How many know Jehovah Rapha in this place? That he healed your body. 
He is Jehovah Rapha. I promise you that everything that dummy devil throws at us, it becomes an opportunity to, an opportunity for us to know God better in that problem. That's why he says, cast your cares on me. I, I am, cares for you. But God, I'm sick. That's okay. I'm Jehovah Rapha. Oh, but God, I have knees. That's okay. I'm Jehovah Jireh. He's everything we need and may our problems bring us to him and not to the world. I remember my mother told me a story about wanting to, uh, her and dad being in need and, and going to my grandmother and asking for money. And finally, Mother Reedy Tibbs said, no. And my mom was like, ooh, like, you know, taken back. Because she was used to going to Grandma for help. But this time, Grandma said no. Do you know why? Because Grandma needed to introduce Edward and Shirley Tibbs to Jehovah Jireh. You see, people are not made to meet all of your needs. They will help you when they can, but the worst thing you could ever be is dependent on people. You've got to learn how to go to God for yourself and say, God, you said you are Jehovah Jireh, and Lord, I am in a need, and God, I'm not going to go to the left. I'm not going to go to the right. I'm going to know you in this moment. I have a need, I have a lack, and I'm going to know you as a provider. You said your name is Jehovah Jireh, and I put my trust in you. Do you know where Jehovah Jireh was introduced at? On the mountain with Abraham when he was told to sacrifice his only son. And God saw that this man was willing to give his promise to God, and he said, stop, do not touch that child. Jehovah Jireh has provided a ram that was stuck in the bush. Listen, we have a God that shows up. I promise you, you have a God that shows up. Let's continue. Finally, I needed my life put back together again. I, I needed nothing to be missing and nothing to be lacking. And then I came to know God as Jehovah Shalom. Church, can you say Jehovah Shalom? He is the God of peace. Anyone ever experience his peace this morning? I'm not talking about peace when you don't need peace. I'm talking about peace when all hell is breaking out in your life and the situation is still needing answers and that the, the bill is still due or you're still feeling sick or there's still chaos all around you. That's when I need Jehovah Shalom. Not after the storm has settled. I need Jehovah Shalom. Alone when the winds are 100 miles per hour. I need Jehovah Shalom when my whole life is being attacked presently. I don't need to know God's peace when there is peace, although I appreciate it, but I really want to know who God is in my biggest storm. And so that's why we call upon his name, Jehovah Shalom. So church, oh, if this is your first time here, I'm not yelling at you. I'm not angry at anyone but the devil. I get a little excited and passionate about the word of God. <laughs> because somebody who doesn't know God can't preach like this. I'm telling you about somebody I know. I'm not just telling you about something that's in a book. I'm telling you that I saw God show up as every single one of these things. And I know he'll do it for you too. Why? Why? 
For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever shall believe in him will not perish but have everlasting life. Everlasting life. Jesus came to give us life and life more abundantly. Listen, listen. The God of heaven, I need to know him before I die. I want to experience joy before the streets of gold. I want to be able to worship him before I see his face. And what Jesus told me, saints, that he wants you to know that he knows that each of you have needs. But he wants your greatest need to be to know him. Why? It is so that we might be able to pursue him and all of his promises. All right, we're going to drive fast here. Hold on. To pursue his promises means that we pursue his attributes and his characters. We know that God is the real deal. So may we pursue his words without fail because he cannot lie. The reason the Bible is boring to a lot of us is because it's not a periodical. It's, it's not a cookbook. It's not a sports magazine. The Bible is God. And if you're going to pick up the Bible, you're picking up the word of God. And you can't go in it with natural understanding. You have to begin to pray and say, God, open up the spirit of my mind. Holy Spirit, help me to understand these things that I am reading. Why? Because you'll understand that faith is a covenant of trust. If you're taking notes, please write that down. Faith is a covenant of trust. When you have faith in God, it is a covenant that I will trust you no matter what, okay? When we pursue feelings about the circumstances, we find fear. But when we pursue faith about God's character, we find his love. I had many opportunities in my kidney disease to look at the circumstances and only find fear there. And that's why many of you are afraid right now, afraid of what's happening to your retirement accounts, afraid of, of what's happening in the world. But when you look at the circumstances, all that can birth is fear. But when you look at God and you focus on his character, what it will bring to you is his love. If I can just get to know God, the God of this situation, I will experience his love. Can you say this with me, church? His character is greater than my circumstances. You've got to know that, okay? Can we be honest in here for a moment? I know you're born again, many of you. I know you have the Holy Spirit, but can you raise your hand if you ever have bad days and kind of waver in your faith sometime? There's some circumstances that come up and the boat just starts rocking. It's like, Lord, it was smooth sailing. What's going on now? Right? Okay, so let's just be real and say that, God, your character is greater than my circumstance. Say this with me. God, your character is greater than my circumstance. Can we find that in the Bible? Yes. A, a, a violent storm hits the boat where Jesus and the disciples are. All right? Jesus, wake up. Don't you care that we are perishing? And he stands up. I am that I am. Stands up. 
walks to the front of the boat as which God? Jehovah Shalom. How do we know he's Jehovah Shalom when he walks to the front of the boat? Because he speaks to the storm. He speaks to the, this is God. He speaks to the storm and says, Shalom, be still. And instantly, gone. Why? They needed peace. And peace was on the boat. And he comes to the front of the boat and he speaks to the, to the storm. He declares peace. And what did they do? They marveled. Who is this man that even the wind and the waves obey him? Church, can you say this with me? Even my wind and my waves obey him. Let's praise God for that. All right, let's, let's wrap this up. This helps us enter into true worship, okay? Once we know that God is a spirit, once we know the truth about his character and capabilities, we're able to really, really worship God. John 4, 24, the Amplified Version says, God is a spirit, a spiritual being, and those who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth, which means reality. So how do we worship him? We worship him in the reality of who he says he is and what he says he can do. Wherever you are and whatever you're going through, faith will cause you to worship him with truth. Can you say this with me? Truth is my weapon. I wonder if that's true. I think it is because the sword of the spirit is the word of God, right? And that's what we use against the lies of the enemy. So truth is our worship. God is a spirit, and we worship him in spirit and truth. What does that look like if I'm sick? Oh, man. Uh, and, and we got to be careful what we pronounce over ourselves. All right? You might feel sick, but you are not sick. You've got a name, and it's not sick. I'm not going to call myself sick. I'm not going to call myself anything except what God calls me. And he calls me healed. So even though I might feel sick, I am not sick. I am, am I getting a phone call? Lord Jesus, he knows I'm at church. <laughs> even though I feel sick, I am not sick because he is, say he is. That's the beauty of having an I am. When you have a God that calls himself I am from earth, you can say he is. Like, I might be sick, but he is healing. I might be experiencing sickness, I'm sorry, but he is my healing. I might be, I am not poor. Don't ever call yourself poor. We are not poor. We might be experiencing lack, but I am says that he is Jehovah, what? Jireh. So he's Jehovah Jireh. I might be experiencing lack, but God, you're Jehovah Jireh, and you promised to take care of me. So what's the difference? What's the distance between his promises and my lack? Okay, faith. Faith is the distance between what I'm experiencing right now and who he says he is, okay? So it takes faith. But faith without works 
is dead. So then what are the works? The works are the principles in which God says, I'll bless you, right? So the Bible says it is more of a blessing to give than to receive. So i got to work my faith out. I've got to say, okay, God, even though I'm in a lack, even though I don't know how I'm going to pay the bill, I'm not going to pay it with what belongs to you. I'm going to bless you, God. Because listen, ah, that act of faith connects me to truth. See, God doesn't care who you say he is. Faith is not what you say. Faith is what you do. Faith without works is dead. But if I am in fear... Fear keeps me in the prison of lack. Why? Because faith without works is dead. So God's like, why don't you just trust me? Why don't you just try me and I will show you who I am? Let's keep moving here. Praise God. So, Revelations 4, 8 through 11. And I'm going to skip right to verse 11. See, how you worship God is with truth. We don't worship God with our feelings. Pastor Jim and the whole worship team wishes we wouldn't worship God with our feelings. Because the way you come in here, many of you are in your feelings. I don't really feel like being here. I feel tired. I feel like he's going to preach a long time. I feel like they're going to sing a long time. I feel like going home. I feel hungry. See, all these feelings have to move out of the way so we can worship our God. All right? And it looks like this sometimes as I'm praising God. These thoughts begin to come. I'm like, uh, move, no. Move, no. Move, no. I want to worship God, and I want to worship him alone. I want to worship him with truth. So right now, we learn that he is surrounded by angelic beings, and they're worshiping him with truth. They're saying in Revelations 4, 11, you are worthy, O Lord our God, to receive glory and honor and power. For you created all things, and they exist because you created what pleased you. So we must begin to praise God in what we are looking for him to be. All right? We use Google for a million things. Here's your homework. Uh, if you don't have a concordance, and sometimes it's hard in a concordance, I want you to Google the names of God, and I want you to print it off. I meant to do it this morning, but I can't do everything for you. Sometimes you got to have some homework. Google the names of God, and next time you go into prayer, just begin to worship him through all those names and say, God, you said that you're Jehovah Jireh, you're my provider, so I worship you. I bring my lack to you. I trust you, God. So in closing, Brother Jim, if you could come strum that guitar a little bit. In closing, I want to leave you with faith for today. Faith to know God today. The disciples said, Jesus, would you teach us how to pray? And it says, in this manner, therefore pray, our Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and power and the glory forever. Amen. So in that prayer model, what do we need to have faith for daily? We're asking for our daily bread, so we've got faith for provision. So we can say, God, you are my provider. I know that you will be with me today. All my needs will be met. 
In that prayer, we ask for forgiveness, which leads to our redemption. So every day, we're able to worship God as the redeemer and say, God, oh, you have redeemed me from the hand of the enemy. Every day, we're able to worship him in the fact that he will not lead us into temptation. So we say, Lord, please continue. I've got faith to believe that you will guide me into your goodness. A foolish man that knows God will walk without God. We need him in all that we do. It says that we should acknowledge him in all of our ways, and he will direct our path. So every day we've got to have the faith to believe that we will not be led into temptation, but instead that he will guide us into our, his goodness. And finally, we pray and we trust and we believe that he will deliver us from all evil. So God, we thank you that we can worship you with this truth, that there is deliverance, on every side of us, that even though the enemy tries to surround us and take us down and attack us, that we find your deliverance on every side of us. So let me tell you two more truths before we go. Number one, how far he's brought you should be how far you're willing to go in worship. How far he's brought you, all the things he's taken you through, that's how far that you should be able to press into worship. I know some of you come from some backgrounds where people didn't maybe worship the Lord uh, as, uh, as uh, I don't want to say, I'll say as wild as we do sometimes. But never, never, never look at someone, how they're praising God, and just shake your head at them. Do you know why? Because you don't know what they've been through. You have no idea what they're going through or what they've been through. And and what I just said was this, how far he's brought you should be how far you're willing to go in worship. I don't care who sees me. You don't know what I've been through. My God is worthy of magnificent praise. And then finally, how much he's blessed you should should be how much you're willing to bless him. If God has blessed you, with with every increase God blesses you, you should be able to and willing to say, Lord, I bless you even more. I understand these godly principles. Let's stand to our feet this morning. I thank you for your patience. 